Praise God for that message through song. For the reading of God's word, shall we all rise as we give reverence to God's word? Our reading will be taken from Acts chapter 14, verses 1 to, um, 1 to 8. Let me read 1 to, 1 to 7, rather. It says here, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lycaonian cities of Lystra and Derbe, into the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. The Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Good morning once again. I am preaching this morning instead of uh, Pastor Mackey. Um, Though he really wants to preach this morning, he is under the weather, and so uh, he is now staying at home, but he is also joining us online right now. He just messaged me. <laughs> okay, so, you know, it's, it's, it's very nice to be prayed for our pastor. Amen? We love it, but it's also nice to pray for our pastor, right? So please do include him and the whole family. Uh, in your prayers, that they will be well, that they'll be healed as well. We now come to the preaching of God's Word. Let's make a short prayer. Speak, Lord, for your people are listening. We're ready to receive. We're ready to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of yours. That's what I told former Senator Manny Pacquiao when I had the chance to visit his home in Makati. Had the chance to shake his hands, see his home with all the medals and awards that he achieved right over there in his house, displayed with all the pictures. But after that encounter, I realized that well, I am a fan of what Pac-Man has achieved. I'm not at a level where I want to follow his footsteps. Some people, they're such a fan of Michael Jordan, they want to be MJ. They're such a fan of Kobe, they want to be Kobe. Uh, they want to sing like Gary Valenciano. 
And they copy, they mimic how they do it, right? When I, after I said that, like, I'm a, I'm a big fan, I realized I'm not at a level where I really want to be like him. You know, I'm just a fan of what he's achieved. While others see it as a noble pursuit, I don't see myself pursuing boxing or anything. Don't get me wrong, I'm not against him. He's a good and godly man. I am a fan, but I am not willing to follow his footsteps. I am a fan, but I'm not willing to follow his footsteps. As I thought about that, I paused. And I thought to myself, Am I like that to Jesus too? That I like the things that he did and said, and I admire who he is, but I don't want to follow him. Am I the type of person who enjoys coming to church, listening to sermons, singing about God and enjoying the fellowship, enjoying Bible studies, but I don't want to follow him? I like all the activities, I like all the perks, but I'm just a fan. I don't want to follow him. I don't want to be a disciple. But pastor, what does it really mean to be a disciple? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because a disciple is someone who first admits that he is a sinner, believes in the finished work of the Lord Jesus at the cross, confesses the lordship of Christ in his life, surrenders the control of his life to Jesus, and lives in newness of life in the Holy Spirit and obeys Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple. And this is important to settle because our chapter today will speak about the cost of being a disciple and the mission of making disciples. Because unless, listen to this, unless you are a disciple yourself, not just a fan, but a disciple of the Lord Jesus, you will not understand the joy of disciple-making. My goal for us this morning is for each of us to move from being a fan to being a disciple, and from being a disciple to becoming a disciple-maker. Are you ready? As a recap, last Sunday we took up Acts 13, 1 to 12, uh, the conversion of proconsul Sergius Paulus and the building of the wolf Elimas. We skipped the rest of the chapter, so let me just quickly tell you what happened in the rest of Acts 13. From the island, island of Cyprus, Paul and Barnabas went to the mainland in Galatia. To Perga in Pamphylia, where John Mark left them to return to Jerusalem. Now, in here, something happened, and, but we will talk about this in chapter 15. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. Paul preached a long sermon here, tracing back the life of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament and their history. From the Exodus to the patriarchs, to God's covenant, to King David, until Christ's crucifixion, death, and resurrection, presenting Christ as God's promised Messiah and Savior to His chosen people. Long sermon, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 
Many of the Jews and devout, devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord, and they believed. That's found in verse 43 and 44. But the rest of the Jews were filled with jealousy, and they began to contradict what Paul was saying, and they heaped abuse on him. Persecution. But Paul and Barnabas, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered them boldly. Let's look at verse 46. Uh, that's found in verse 46 and 47. Let's look at verse 48. It says, When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life, what happened? What happened? They believed. Now we can just easily skip this verse, no? I mean, verse 48. But verse 48 is one of the main texts, one of the clear, specific texts of the doctrine of election. This is one of the scriptures, well, this is one of scripture's clearest statements on the sovereignty of God in salvation. All who were appointed for eternal life believed. God chooses man for salvation, not the opposite. And there are many verses to this we can present. You can learn more when we get through our, our, our studies in our, in, our, in our classes. Friends, faith itself is a gift from God. Amen? And that's what we learn here. Verse 49, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. What were they doing? They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? They shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. This was... Paul and Barnabas saying, we've did our best, shaking the dust of our feet, to say, we did our best, we gave our best, we gave our best, but our best wasn't good enough. No. Um, they said, we gave our best, now we're no longer accountable. We gave our best to you, we reached out to you, shared the gospel to you, but you keep on rejecting. But even though the rejection, Paul and Barnabas were being expelled from this region, they were able to make disciples there. That in verse 52, as we jump to verse 52, it says, the disciples, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There was rejection, but it was still a success. They were still disciples. Amen? Nothing can stop the gospel. Nothing can stop our God. Amen? We keep on advancing the mission because even though it seems impossible, the mission will pursue because we have a, God, a great God who pursues people. Amen? The disciples had joy that contradicted their circumstances. And from there, this is where we come now to Acts chapter 14. We're going to learn here that the movement is making disciples. The movement is making disciples. 
I don't know about you, but maybe you've noticed that the book of Acts or any of the other books in the Bible doesn't mention the words missions or missionary. Yes, you heard it right. It might surprise you to know that the word mission, the plural missions, and the term missionary never appear anywhere in the Bible. Doesn't mean they're wrong. We use them. It's just a fact that they don't appear in the Bible. Instead, what we have in the Bible, particularly in the book of Acts, is the term disciple or disciples. The apostles were commanded to make disciples, not missionaries. But, dis- but disciples, not missionaries, but disciples. Paul and Barnabas were disciples sent by the church in Antioch to make other disciples. So in this chapter, we find Paul and Barnabas going around towns and cities doing one thing. And what's that one thing? Making disciples. That's what they were doing. That's why here at Bradford, you remember our mission statement? We exist to bring glory to God by building up disciple makers of Jesus Christ. Can we read this all together? One, two, three, go. We exist. If you do not know our mission statement, this is it. Everything that we do here at church is about building up disciple makers. Not just disciples, but disciple makers. What does that mean? Well, it means that we are in the business of training and equipping disciples who will make more disciples, who will make more disciples, who will make more disciples. We are not here to make you feel good, although we like it, okay? We want to encourage you, but that's not our primary goal. Our primary goal is to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, that in Jesus, you will be satisfied. You will find hope, you will find peace, and you will find joy in following Him no matter the circumstances. Amen? Disciple-making. And as we do that, we hope that someday you too will be able to do that to others. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. You just simply have to obey. Amen? That's our hope. We don't want you to be fans. We want you, we desire, as the Lord desires, that you too will become disciple makers for the glory of God. Would you want that too? Gamera, ang gusto. I'm just teasing you. This is what we're going to see in this chapter. So I want us to learn six principles of a disciple who makes disciple. Six principles of effective disciple making. Number one, proclaim the gospel ordinarily. That's in your notes. Um, Your notes are inserted in the program handed to you by our ushers. Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the, into the Jewish synagogue. 
There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Notice what it says there. As usual. It, it was a practice for them. As usual. Whenever they go into a place, they always go to the Jewish synagogue first. That was their practice. Why? Because that's where the people were. Why would you go to a place sharing the gospel if people were not going there? <laughs> you go to the place where people are. Meet them where they are, right? The same way Jesus came down here on earth, shared the gospel, uh, gave his life here, he came near us. Also for us in gospel sharing, we go where the people are. To the offices, to schools, to business business. Um, Centers, we go there because that's where the people are. Interestingly, the word spoke here, notice that there they spoke so effectively. The word spoke there is from the word laleo, which means a casual language. This means that they were telling others about Jesus in natural day to day conversations. They didn't use words that people couldn't understand. But they used a common language that even a grade one student can comprehend the gospel. What does this mean? Now, sometimes we are scared of sharing Jesus to others because there might be things that, you know, we, we don't know. We, we cannot tell them about eschatology and, and, and uh, whatever words that, Sometimes you use here at church, and we're afraid because we couldn't explain it to them. What's incarnation? What's resur resurrection? And all those stuff. What's substitution? Everything. We get scared. And so that's why we shrink and we go, we go inside our shells because we don't want to share. We are scared we will make mistakes. But hey, friends, here, look at this. Laleo, a common language. They were sharing the gospel. They were sharing Jesus to others in a simple language, in a way that kids can understand. You don't have to use big words when you share the gospel. Proclaim the gospel ordinarily. Well, people, people can understand. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room for you to share the gospel. You can be you, just receive the, new, the good news. You've received it already. You know the good news. Just simply tell others about Jesus. Hey, this is what Jesus did. And they didn't even rush. The Bible says, Acts 14.3, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. They spoke boldly. I always like this because the apostles, I don't, I don't know if you notice in the book of Acts, if you've been doing the reading, they've always prayed for boldness, courage to speak. And the Lord gives it to them. The Lord gives them opportunities for them to practice boldness. And the Lord gives them boldness. So friends, when you pray, Lord, help me to share the gospel to my friends. He will give you opportunities. He will give you, you just have to be sensitive Now, that's the time that the Lord is giving to you. He's answering your prayers. You just have to be ready. And you say, Lord, I'm scared. You pray, Lord, give me the boldness. 
Give me courage. And he will grant it to you. For we have the spirit not of fear and of timidity. But they spent considerable time there. Why did they spend considerable time there? Well, because of number two. Let's go to number two. Persist in persecution immovably. Persecution was present in here. Friends, if you think that being a Christian will exempt you from all troubles and problems, you have never been so wrong. In fact, the more faithful you are to Christ, the holier you are, the more persecution you will experience. Well, it's up to you to suffer now or to suffer later. That's the choice that we make. In Acts 14, we learn that whenever there is gospel proclamation, persecution is sure to follow. Acts 14 verse 2, it says, The Jews who refused to believe stirred up. Nangamong pa. Okay? Influenced others. Stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And look at this. Remember, Jews, Gentiles, they don't go together, right? Look at, look at what's happening here. Even, even parties where both parties nga diigyod magkasinabot, suddenly, they're united. For what purpose? To go against the gospel. To go against Jesus. To go against what Paul and Barnabas have been teaching. They stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. These brothers, by the way, in here, were babies in faith. When Paul and Barnabas saw how these baby believers were being buffeted by unbelievers, verse 3 says, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. And here's the reason why. Speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. They spent considerable time because they knew that these disciples in Iconium needed all the grounding they could get to stand strong in a city with much opposition. Paul and Barnabas were men on the move, but they were men who were not easily moved. They were immovable, not because they were strong. They were immovable because they had a cause that, were, that was worth standing up for. Something worth fighting for. They had a message to tell and a mission to fulfill. If they were not sold, if they did not believe in the gospel, if they did not believe in the message that they were saying, they would have quit long, a long time ago. First persecution pa lang, they quit na sila because they did not believe it. But because they believed in this, they knew, they knew that Jesus is life. No matter what circumstance, they were willing to follow Jesus. And something happened in Lystra. Let's, for, let's fast forward to verses 19 and 20. 
says here, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. What happens next? They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. Imagine this. Thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. And what did he do? Went back into the city. If I was Paul's neighbor, I would say, Why Would you really die for that message? Would you really risk your life for that dead person? If I was an unbeliever, I would say that. After being stoned, he got up. Did he bail out immediately? No. He went back into the city. He didn't even say, Lord, well, sorry, the door is closed in Lystra. I'm done here. He went back and finished what he wanted to say. Now, that's the kind of persistence that we ought to follow. Amen? We don't stop. We fulfill. We fulfill our calling. We fulfill our mission. There seemed to be a setback in here, but he didn't give up. He persisted. Why? Because again, they had a message to tell and a mission to fulfill. They believed in this, and it was worth dying for. Not just, not just that it was worth dying for, it was worth living for. We like to, you know, we admire dying for Jesus and for dying for a cause. But what about living for Him? Daily saying no to yourself to follow Him. But daily saying yes, moment by moment saying yes, Lord, to Him. Friends, what do you do when you experience setbacks? Will you be angry and blame God? Will you quit when everything in your life just seems to be going wrong? Or will you continue because you think that Jesus is worth living for? Will you continue in your faith because you think that Jesus is worth dying for? Persecution is sure, but it is not the end. Amen? It is not the end. Rather, persecution creates the environment in which boldness can occur. Persecution always makes Christianity an issue. And when Christianity becomes an issue... What's there? You have something to speak about. It becomes the topic. Right? And that's good. That's good. Because the more persecution, the more, oppor- the more persecution there is, the more opportunity for us to talk about Christianity there is. Amen? The more people who will question Christianity, the more answers we can give. Right? We don't like persecution. Kinsay ganahan no persecution dire. Raise your hands. Kamo ko na ipauna. I'm just kidding. 
Right? We don't like persecution. But, persecution, when we look at the Bible, it's one of the ways where we can share more Jesus to others. So friends, when you experience persecution because of your faith, again, not because of your sinful ways, persecution because of your faith, when you experience that, be immovable. Be immovable. The Lord will fight for you. He is with you. The, Lord, the Holy Spirit is with you, empowering you. Amen? But the Bible also gives us wisdom. When the persecution becomes so life-threatening, we, number three, pull out from danger quickly. Acts 14, 4-7 says, The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lycaonian cities of, the List of Lystra and Derbe into the surrounding country. When Paul and Barnabas learned their, enemies, uh, learned their enemies were united in a plot to stone them to death, they fled to Lystra and Derbe. And in the event that you think, again, that they bailed too early, they were being obedient to the command of Christ given in Matthew 10.23. What does Matthew 10.23 say? When they persecute you in one town, what do they do? Flee to the next. Jesus was teaching them this in Matthew. Years after, they were obeying this now. They found wisdom in what Jesus was teaching. And sometimes God calls us to stay, and other times He wants us to escape. But whether you stay or leave, you preach the gospel. That's what they did in verse 7 where it says, they continued to preach the gospel. They continued to preach the gospel. So let's uh, do a little recap. Number one, preach the gospel ordinarily. Number two, persist in persecution immovably. Number three, Pull out from danger quickly. Number four, number four, perform God's power humbly. Acts 14, verses 8 to 10, says, In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up, and began to walk. This miracle is the same as that one in the temple in Acts chapter 3. And this is a classic example of a genuine faith healing. Of course, we remember in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, where it says, Faith comes from hearing the word. This man was listening to the gospel message preached, and it produced faith in him. This healing miracle also was sovereignly done by God to back, up, to back up and confirm the veracity of the gospel that Paul and Barnabas were proclaiming. The miracles weren't random. No. 
they were purposefully there to affirm God's servants and message. But notice what happened here. Verse 11. Can you read this with me? Ready? Go. They shouted in the Lycanian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of the city, brought city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Let's pause. These superstitious and idolatrous Gentiles believed Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and Paul was Hermes, not the brand. Hermes, okay? Notice how idolatrous and superstitious the sinful man is. It is so natural to the sinful nature to become idolatrous. This even shows up in how we treat politics. Yes, we think politicians are our saviors. At home, sometimes we feel like the brightest or the most hardworking member of the family will be the one to get us out of poverty. Sometimes in church, we feel like sometimes that the pastor is the savior. That same mentality is embedded in our nature to look for a savior. It's natural in us to look for a savior. Why do you think superheroes were created? Because it is, it is in us, inside us, to look for someone who will save the day. It is in us to desire that. However, instead of turning to God, we turn to other things. In our sinfulness, we become idolatrous. But in here, what's, ha what's happening here, the backstory of this incident, according to local legend, these two gods, Zeus and um, Hermes, visited their city but, only, uh, but was only received hospitality from one elderly couple. Okay? And in their anger at the people, wala migidawat aning tibok sudad, Zeus and Hermes wiped out the whole population except for the old couple. Now, the people, because the people were afraid of that to happen again, they were quick to worship Barnabas and Paul. Maudiai. But again, doesn't mean it was right. Idolatry. Something interesting in this part of the chapter also happens. This was one of the chants at a little glory. Now, this is kind of fun, okay? Uh, for, for, for Paul and Barnabas, they were saying like, well, this is kind of fun. People were bowing to us, worshiping us. You know, they could have felt that way. receive glory, right? Even when you post on Facebook and then somebody would like, Comment on your picture. Oi, nice. Where are you having your vacation? You look so pretty. Macho na kay ka. 
sa left side. One side, diba? Go. So, you know, we, we even feel our, our, our morale is lifted up, right? Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> right? Naay mo like, naay mo share sa atong post. We like it. We feel good about it. All the more when, when this is done. People praise you. For Paul and Barnabas, this was their chance of glory. They didn't do it. They didn't receive it. So there's a lot of false prophets who have been trying to get the yeastic recognition all their life. Some taste of heaven here on earth like a god. Some people even, they started well, they preached the gospel faithfully, passionate about God, and then towards the end, because they experienced glory, they wanted to, they wanted to grab the honor. They experienced fame. And so what happens? What happened? They fell. Pride falls before destruction. For Paul and Barnabas, they did not enjoy the veneration. They did not enjoy the lavish reception. Verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, shouting, okay? We, yeah, let, let's, let's uh, just pause right there. They tore their clothes to show that they were completely human, just as the Lystrians. They also did this out of an instinctively Jewish reaction to blasphemy. Remember, this is a practice of Jews. When they, when they hear of blasphemy, they, 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 they tear their clothes off. For Paul and Barnabas, it wasn't just mockery. It wasn't like that. They were afraid. Why? Because people were pushing them to the level of God, lifting them to the level of God. And so, they, they did not like it at all. Paul and Barnabas thought that it, it was blasphemy. Verse 15, it says, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. Never in the Bible has anyone who followed God or Jesus said, it's okay for you to bow down to me and pray to me. No. They always lifted everything and pointed everyone to Christ alone. To Jesus alone. They did not say, Sige, ako lay bahala ni mo. Muna yung prayer. Okay, ako lay bahala. Ako siyang ingnon si Jesus. Dali. That does not, that's not in the Bible. That's not biblical at all. That's how we human beings do. Right? That's our practice. Kailan mo ni atong kuan? Tabangi ko ba kay na ako'y hangyo ni mo? We do that, right? We do that. But that's not the way, the way it goes with God. Only Jesus. Should, to, to Jesus should you only be bowing down. Paul and Barnabas did God's work from the vantage point of humility, never from the vantage point of human exaltation. They never sought praise. And friends, God doesn't want Christian superstars. 
He wants humble servants. He's not looking for the best. He's looking for the humblest. Because reality is, we don't take glory well. Some people who are so famous, they couldn't handle the fame very well. And so some people really go out of the spotlight. They hide themselves. Why? Because we were meant to look only to, to God, and to gaze at His glory. We were never meant to receive glory. We were always designed and created to give glory to God. Amen? I think that the vantage point of humility is always the vantage point from which God's work is done. They didn't want any exaltation. They didn't see it as a means to an end. They wanted to do God's work, God's way, and for God's glory. And that's how we should be doing it. Amen? Verse 15, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. The good news is always accompanied with repentance. What is repentance? It is turning from sin, turning away from sin, and turning to God. The thing that's so beautiful about what's happening here is that they struggled and fought tooth and nail to maintain the vantage point of humility. Kulata na sila, exalt na sila, but they still pointed everyone to Christ. Verses 16 and 18 says, In the past, He let all the nations go their own way, yet He has not left Himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. The true disciple makers on the move never look for, they never look for self-exaltation. They never look for self-glory. They never look to be lifted up, but always that Christ be lifted up. They don't want people to think that they are somebody. They want people to know who Christ is. That's the real disciple. That, that's the quality of real disciple makers. From Lystra, Paul and Barnabas went to Derby. This is not the Derby. This Derby here is, is a place. Okay? It's not the Derby ng Sabong. Now, we go to what, what, what's happening here. Okay, we're going to transition now. What's, hap what's happening here? Because in, in number five, fifth quality, they produce disciples effectively. Okay, effective disciple making is producing disciples effectively. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Paul and Barnabas were not going to move to the next place until there were many disciples in place to make more disciples. The Greek word here is the verb matheteo, matheteo, from the word mathetes, disciples, or disciple, literally to make disciples or make followers. And we learned about what a disciple is already, right? 
He is a believer who lovingly follows Jesus and intentionally helps others follow Him. And in the book of Acts, Luke uses the words believers, Christians, and disciples synonymously. Well, some people try to differentiate a disciple from a Christian in the Bible, particularly in the book of Acts, a disciple is a Christian and a Christian is a disciple. And how did they do this? How did they make disciples follow up? Follow up. Yes, follow up. They went back to Lystra, back to Iconium, and back to Antioch. Paul and Barnabas returned to visit the believers in all the cities where they had recently been threatened and physically attacked. These men knew the dangers they faced, yet they believed that they had a responsibility to make these new believers disciples and grow in being a disciple. No matter how inconvenient or uncomfortable the task may seem, we must, as a church, together, we must always support new believers who need our help and encouragement. Amen? When we welcome new people to the community, we help them, encourage them, welcome them. For Paul and Barnabas, what did they do as they went back to the cities? Well, there are four things that we can see in here. Four things. Number one, four steps in making disciples. Number one, establish them in the Word. Verse 22, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples. The word here is epesterizo, mean, it, it means to make solid, to fix, to glue down. He made them solid in the Word, teaching them the Word. How do you, you ask, how do you disciple somebody? The first one, you teach them. You give them a solid foundation. You teach them sound doctrine, solid doctrine, sound doctrine, sound teaching. Get them from being a spiritual babe to the level of a spiritual young man unto maturity. Amen? Secondly, encourage them to continue. Encourage them to continue. Ver verses encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. To encourage means urging a person to the proper course of conduct. He gave them solid doctrine and then he urged them. And both of those are vital. In my experience, and as I've also seen with others who are making disciples, you can only disciple when you teach them solid doctrine. So teach them solid doctrine, confront their problems and their misbehaviors and weaknesses, and in confront them in their sins, and then encourage them towards growth. That's what the Word does. In, confront us in our sins, but then next is to encourage us towards growth. So, four steps in making disciples. Establish them in the Word. Endorse, uh, encourage them to continue. And thirdly, uh, endorse them to the church. Verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church. When they had appointed elders. What's happening here is that he prayed with them. 
He prayed with them. What is so important about that is that he exercised leadership here. Okay, he appointed elders. He prayed with them. He helped them get organized. And in those cases, it was, in, in this case, by the way, it was the total, the whole congregation was doing this. But I think as a discipler, you have to have leadership, right? You have to have leadership in the way that Jesus led the disciples as well. You've got to be able to say that the disciple, whether it's, it's one or ten dozen, ten dozens, here, here's what to do. Here's the structure. Here's how to live life. Here's how to set a pattern for your living. Help them get organized. Show them, teach them, but also show, model it to them. Right? Even in companies, we do this, right? There is a way where you teach them how to do the stuff. You, you, you um, what do you call this? Uh, theory, right? The- orientation, you give them all the theory. But then there's also a phase where you show them how to do that. And then there's also a phase where you ask them to help. Okay, show me, help me in this. Right? Help me in this. And then the next, sige, ikaw kono. Ako konong tanawin kung ikaw ra. There's a face, and that's how you disciple. Okay? That's leadership right there. You help them get organized, help them get involved into a body of believers. And that's what Paul de- did in here. He endorsed them in the church. Share the gospel to them now here. Let's organize together as a church. And that's why here also, Remember, we learned this in Acts chapter 6, that the movement is organized. Okay, it's biblical, but it's, it's about, also about the leadership. So, establish them in the Word, endorse them to the church, um, or rather, encourage them to continue, endorse them to the church, and lastly, number four, entrust them to the Lord. Verse 23, it says, With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The Greek word here is paratitheme, theme, literally to place by the side or to set before. And this is the last thing you do when you make disciples. You entrust them to the Lord by prayers and laying of hands. Of course, you, you, you pray for that person always. The last step also is to pray for that person. We commit them into God's hands. Amen. Remember, our task is not to change people. Our task is to share the gospel. Amen? To make disciples. We're not called to change lives. Only God can do that. We're only called to make disciples. Tell people about Jesus. As a result of Paul and Barnabas' missionary work in these places, a church was established in Lystra. Later, we read how Timothy, his mother Eunice, and his grandmother Lois were part of this church. This missionary team accomplished so much without the modern means of transportation or the modes of instant communication we have today. message Hey, do you have a time next Wednesday? Can we meet? 30 minutes long? Or can we meet via Zoom? What is that? Would Thursday night be okay for you? To put in our schedule those little things that would impact greatly in the lives of people. Short messages. How are you? 
thought about you this morning. I prayed for you. Simple messages that you can send and encourage others. Send a verse. Send a simple hi, hello. That's part of it. Dr. Bob Pierce was spot on when he used to say, others have done so much with so little. While we have done so little with so much. Acts 14, 24, 25, it says, After going through Pisidia, they came, came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. Incidentally, even though we read of Paul and Barnabas speaking the word in Perga and Atalia in verse 25, we don't hear of any converts. And again, I'm reminded that our job is to faithfully proclaim the gospel and leave the results to the Lord. Amen? Some places are fruitful, others are not. Some people are open, others are not. Verse 26 says, they fulfilled the work they had been given to do. Our model for this is Jesus who said in John 17 verse 4, I have finished the work you have given me to do. That's all. We go to our last quality of an effective um, disciple maker. Number six, present your report gladly. Yes, report gladly. Verses 26 to 28, it says, From Atalia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how He had opened a door of faith to, to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. About a year after being sent out, they finally got back to Antioch where they had started. That's their home church. And when they got there, verse 27 says, in the middle of the verse, it says here, they reported all that God had done through them and how He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. What did they report? All that God had through, had through them. So, Friends, when we, when we have this bulletin, you know, this is not just para na print now sa office. No. This is report, gladly reporting to you what is happening in our church. This is not just a piece of paper. This is thought through. This is to say this, this uh, we've been moving with God together and this is when we look at this, all the things here, this is our community. This is what's happening here in our church. And this is what God has been doing. There are times, you know, we gather with other churches in the Congress, um, family Congress. We share the churches, the different churches, local churches that we have, daughters and sister churches. We gather and share what God has been doing. We praise God. Because we're all in this together. Amen? And that's part of this, sharing what God had done through them, just as the apostles uh, set an example. The mission trip was a great success. 
though not without great obstacles. The difficulty of travel itself, the confrontation with Elimas in Cyprus, the quitting of John Mark in, in Perga, being driven out of the cities of Pisidia and Iconium, the, the temptation to receive adoration, and even being stoned in, in Lystra. It was a roller coaster adventure. Yet Paul and Barnabas would not be deterred from the work God had them to do. Verse 28, it says, They stayed there a long time with the disciples. Why didn't they get back into work immediately? Why should they stay there a long time? Because it is as important to report what God has done with a fresh group of people as it is to do, as it is to do it because that's where you recruit for the next group. When you share with others the vision of what God is doing in the church, what God is doing through you in the mission, you're encouraging others to participate as well. Amen? That's why we're sharing. We have a medical mission. We need volunteers. We're doing this for the Lord. We want to obey. We want to reach people with the gospel. We need more volunteers. We need your expertise. We need your hands. We need your hearts. If you want to say, I want to volunteer, I don't know what to do, but I'm available, I'm willing to go, we'd be glad to be, for you to be, part of that, uh, to be part of the team. What I'm trying to say is, when we share these things, it's not just for you to listen and receive. It's for you to see that there is a place for you in the things that God is doing through the church. Amen? Amen? There is a place for you. For each, for each one of us. This is not exclusive. This is for all of us. Disciplers are people who not only disciple, but they encourage other disciplers to get into the mission. This is why it is important to have mission conferences. Why do we invite missionaries here? Why? Because in order that you might meet with them, listen to them, hear them, share with them, and they might say, this is what God is doing with us. And the question to that, the other implication to that is, what is God doing with you? This is what God is doing with us. What is God doing with you? Do you want to be the kind of disciple maker that God has saved you to be? then follow what Paul and Barnabas did in this chapter. So as we close, I remember in verse 11, the people shouted, the gods have come down to us in human form. The longing, friends, in here, the longing of the human heart is for God to come down to earth. We see this in Isaiah 64 verse 1. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. The desire for God to come. The good news of the, of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come down. He is fully God and fully man and He died as a sacrifice for our sins. He paid the price, satisfying the righteous and holy wrath of God the Father. Now we're called to turn from the worship of idols to repent of our sins, to receive Jesus as Savior and to live under His leadership as Lord for the rest of our lives. Friends, this is what it means to be a disciple. 
to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So if you are not yet sure about your relationship with God, you've been here at church your first time or maybe the nth time, for, you've been here for many years, but you're not, still not sure about your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're just a fan. You see His works. You hear His words. You hear other people talk about Jesus, but you are not a follower. You're not a disciple, but you want to be a, a disciple. It's simple. Just surrender your life to Christ. Surrender to, his, to the Lordship, to His Lordship over your life. But if you have committed your life to Christ, you have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. You've already done that. Here's the question. When will you start obeying the commandment of making disciples? You cannot be a Christian and not make disciples. It is a command for every disciple to make disciples. A real Christian will inevitably reach out to others and make disciples for the Lord Jesus. But there's, there's no pressure because we're not going to do this on our own strength. We're going to do this out of joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? He will empower us. This is what it means to be a Christian. To be a disciple is to say, this life is not worth living for some trivial matters. Instead, you see that to be loved by Jesus and to love Jesus is better than life. And you choose to say, I will follow you, Lord. Hence, we sing the hymn here at church. And if you know the song, sing with me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I will follow you all the way. Amen.